Today's episode is sponsored by Expectful, a guided meditation and mindfulness app for your fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. It's easy and fun to use as well as affordable. And did you know that science shows meditation can reduce anxiety and improve your relationships? Head to expectful.com slash motherbirth for an exclusive one month free trial just for motherbirth listeners. I think that day I saw my son through her eyes, through a stranger's eyes, I could see just the disorganization of his life. We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Motherbirth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hey everybody, it's Laura Melissa here with Mother Birth, and I am so excited today to have one of my very close friends, Ashley Woods, on the show. Um, she is a mom and teacher, and I've known her since college, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear her story. Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Okay, hi. Well, yes, I am Ashley, um, and I do, I have two boys. Um, Atticus is two and a half, and Wyatt is 10 months old in like a week or so. And uh, I do teach. I used to teach full-time English to middle school and high schoolers. But um, when I was pregnant with Atticus, my first, I found a really great job um, working for the Department of Ed for um, our county. And so anyway, I still work with students. I still teach, but it's a part-time job. And it's really, it's with, um, you know, considered at-risk kids, but so they're, they've left the mainstream school and I get to work with them, but I also still get to have a lot of time with my kids in the afternoons. And, uh, and that's, you know, really, really good for, for us. So that's great. Yeah. I love that you were able to find that, that kind of a situation that gives you that balance. Yeah. I feel really lucky for sure. Yeah. So. So Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, deciding to have kids and kind of what it was like to make that decision with you and your partner and what your uh, pregnancy and birth is like. Okay. I wouldn't say we made a decision to have, <laughs> to have Atticus. Uh, we we got married in Mexico um, in Mazatlan and nine months later we had Atticus. Um, <laughs> it was definitely not planned. Um, in fact, people came home from, from Mexico sick and I thought, oh, I'm, I guess I'm sick too. And then I remember calling Laura and being like, oh my gosh, no way. And so I was pregnant. Um, so Atticus was an unplanned pregnancy. Um, but it was, it was good. I was, I had a great pregnancy. I really loved it. Um, I was really active and, you know, I think physically I felt great being pregnant. Uh, emotionally, it was really hard for me. Um, especially being newly married, I kind of feel like I didn't, I really wasn't myself for the first nine months that we were together. And then after having a baby, I wasn't really, I just wasn't who I used to be. And it was, it was definitely, um, an adjustment, but Atticus came and he was wonderful. And then we had Wyatt when Atticus was a little over a year old, we, or maybe at a year old, we got pregnant and we had Wyatt and he was planned, I don't know if it's really hard having them so close together, but it was, he, we planned for him and, um, and he, I love being pregnant with him as well. I did suffer, um, from postpartum depression after Atticus. And then during my pregnancy with Wyatt, 
um, mostly because I, th- I think it just was continuing from Atticus because I didn't really have a lot of time down between pregnancies. Right. Um, so I kind of struggle. I definitely struggle with that. And I still, I think, you know, why it's almost a year and I feel like I'm, you know, coming out of a little bit of, of that, um, struggle. It's definitely something I, I wonder if I'll, it'll probably be with me, but just like very hard to manage my emotions. And, Mm. um, and that was really hard. Um, and again, it was like a new marriage. So it was so, I just, I put a lot of pressure on myself with all of that. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is but, a lot to be dealing with all at once. When you got pregnant with Wyatt, I, I know that that was planned, but did you feel like, you know, you had been experiencing postpartum depression after your first son was born? Did anything really kind of change once you were pregnant with Wyatt? Like, did you feel like it intensified? I you know, was it something that, um, you, did you, did you prepare for that part of it in any way? No, I didn't prepare for it. And it definitely intensified. I, I definitely, yeah, I, it was, it got harder, um, through, throughout the pregnancy. Um, so it was, it was, it was difficult for sure. Mm -hmm. And I remember experiencing it and it was kind of becoming a little bit, it was definitely talked about more, um, during my second, during my pregnancy with Wyatt, my second. And I, I felt a lot of comfort in that, um, that women were starting to like, you know, celebrities and people that were kind of had voices were talking about it more. And it, it helped me to realize that this was what, this was what I was going through and I could, I could get through it, you know? Yeah. That you weren't alone. Definitely. Yeah. I wasn't alone. And I think that, um, I didn't really have any, I didn't never have had close friends that struggled with it. So, um, I, I wasn't prepared yeah. for sure. Or at least they didn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. At least they didn't talk about it. Yeah. Exactly. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. And obviously there's a huge wide range of the experiences of, you know, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and all these different things. But I think so much of it is just that people don't talk about it. And, you know, we're, we're afraid mm-hmm. of what people will think of us. And, and in some cases women dismiss it. They think, well, gosh, it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll feel better in time. And, you know, I'm, I'm even just in the last few days have mm-hmm. been talking with um, my cousin who just had a little baby and just talking about how hard it is in the beginning. And I remember when I had my first, mm-hmm. just feeling like I just constantly dismissed how hard it was. I just wanted to think yes. like, oh, well, you know, it, how I'm feeling is not that important, you know, and mm-hmm. you just make it harder for yourself because you're not acknowledging and you're not reaching out for support. And it actually just prolongs the, in many cases, it just prolongs the the mm-hmm. time that you suffer, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I think with the second one, I think you're just, it, I felt it was harder to get like to talk about it with people because it's like, you already have a kid. Here's your other kid. And it's like, there's just constant chaos and everybody's just like, you're a mom. You have a couple kids now. It's like, it's a little, it was even harder for me to sort mm-hmm. of realize that this was real and I was going through it again. And, you know, because it was just, I was just able to push it aside and just take care of the kids and, um, I don't know. I feel like it wasn't as, it, you know, it just, it all happened so quickly too, for me, it was, they were all very, the whole situation was really quick. And so I just didn't have a grasp on, on all of it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a good vision of it. 
Yeah. And I think just knowing you two and walking with you through it, I think certain people have that kind of personality, exactly what you just described, where it's just kind of like, okay, well, this is what I chose to do. So I'm just taking it on. And I think that that can really be a mask for that you can wear for a certain amount of time before Mm -hmm. you realize like, I'm actually not doing well and I need to reach out. And, you know, you, you are fortunate, you know, fortunate to have a good relationship with your doctor that you felt like you could talk to your Mm -hmm. OBGYN about it. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in that way, you did. You, you had some tools to identify it, but I think I love what you said because the reality is you don't know what that experience will look like any time that it happens. So mm-hmm. the way it looked for Wyatt and Atticus might be very different, you yeah. know, and I think that that's something that can be hard too is how do you identify that it actually looks a lot different. And mm-hmm. if you are in that like second kid desert where you feel like no, you don't get the whole like troops rallying around you like you might exactly. have the first kid. Um, and so... I think that that's like a really great thing to bring up because I feel like for so many people, they might not, like maybe they didn't have it in their first experience, but it's their second or third Mm -hmm. kid where they feel like I should be fine. I know what I'm doing. And when people are saying those kinds of sentences, that's when you're just like, nope, you're not fine. Actually, if you're having to convince yourself of that. Right. (laughs) It's so true. And you know, what's even interesting is like coming on to talk to you guys. I, I didn't even really think about it. You know, it's, it's like you, yeah, you just, whatever the personality may be, it's like, I just sort of pushed, kept pushing through. And, um, I did talk to girl. I do try to talk to my girlfriends now and especially ones that are pregnant or just had a baby and try and, you know, but it's, it's interesting how even when you've gone through it, it's, and it was so impactful. It really was such a big deal for me when it was going on, but, um, it's like, it's over. And I, it doesn't even feel like at this point in my life, it's not even like, in the top five things I'm dealing with, which is kind of crazy, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. when you, and so it's, it's really good. I'm really glad you brought it up and like, you know, brought it up and I could talk about it a little bit. Cause it's definitely, it was definitely important, you know? Yeah. It's, I think it's mm-hmm. huge. And I think that it can affect so many things, including, you know, our long-term relationships with our kids and, you know, our mental health. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I remember with my first, you know, I had extreme postpartum anxiety that then just kind of turned into like generalized anxiety. And it, you know, it was like less intense than it was in the postpartum period, but it just didn't really go away. And I think because I didn't get support and I didn't really, for, you know, for a time I didn't get support and didn't really learn how to manage and cope with that anxiety. It just was like, it just dragged out for so, so, so long. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's so interesting to hear you say like, just this idea that, yeah, you had your second and then you're just in survival mode and everyone's kind of like, Oh, you must know what you're doing. And you're like, I'm, I should know what I'm doing. You know, it's just like a, you know, the first time around, you don't know any better. The second time you should, but, but you're, like you said, you're just in survival mode. So it's just there's the odds are just stacked against you, you know, and when we live in an unsupportive culture where, you know, women and, and community members around us aren't going to naturally just see the need and meet the need, then we're just kind of left stuck. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. But I do want to talk a little bit about that early season um, with Wyatt and then kind of as you were beginning to understand what was going on with Atticus. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, um, why it was, so like the kids aren't even, they're not two years apart. So why it was born. And, um, and while, while I was pregnant with Wyatt, we started to notice that Atticus, um, wasn't talking. Um, uh, he had, he didn't have any words and, um, he would do like a, a babble thing, 
but it was very scripted. It was very, it was very much the same no matter what was going on. Um, but he, he seemed to be pretty social. And so, um, we kind of were noticing it and talking to the doctor and they were, they suggested we get him evaluated for speech therapy, but I was pregnant and I was really just, I just could, I would, like I said earlier, I was struggling with, um, depression and just, just, so I, I told my husband and I decided that we would do it after the baby was born. We would get going on Atticus. Um, so Atticus was probably, so I had Wyatt, um, I tried to have a VBAC, but I, I ended up having a C-section with Wyatt. And um, all of a sudden, you know, a couple, it was time to get Atticus evaluated. And Wyatt was a great baby. He was huge. He was 10 pounds. Mm. And he was really happy. And he was actually, he was very, very easy. Um, but we were dealing with getting Atticus evaluated. What was wrong? Why, was, why wasn't he talking? Um, so I went through our county and we have, they have a program called early start where, um, they, they, they work with 18 month old to three year old kids, um, that have developmental delays of any kind. So it could be speech, it can be, you know, kind of, um, physical delays, um, and mental delays, you know, um, whether, however that looks. So I, I thought I was just getting him a speech evaluation, but, um, the woman came to my house for an intake and I had Wyatt on me and was, he was crying and sleeping and going between the two. And I had Atticus running around and, um, she came in and she was just going to, she was just going to intake information and then set me up with a speech therapist. And, um, she kind of, she was so uh, very nice to me because <laughs> I was on, on edge. You know, I just had like a couple month old baby and, um, you know, looking back at what Atticus looked like back then to now, it's so different, but she, she said, okay, yeah, he definitely needs a speech evaluation. Um, but I do see some behaviors with him that are concerning. And I, I didn't know, again, this is the thing when you're a first time parent, you just, you can read everything, but it's hard to tell what's, what's your normal. And then like, what's neurotypical and what should be happening. And so, um, she's like, you know, he's lining up his toys and he was throwing his toys, but he was never really playing with his toys. And then also <laughs> I could, I think that day I saw my son through her eyes, through a stranger's mm -hmm. eyes. I could see just the disorganization of his life, like how he was just everywhere, all over the place. Um, he hit me a lot. He was, and I thought I kind of attributed that, Oh, well we have a new baby and he's not even two years old. He doesn't understand. Um, I am very, active and kind of all over the place. So I, you know, it's, it's, it was hard to decipher, but she, she's like, you know, I think maybe we should get a full evaluation. Um, and that looks like a speech evaluation an occupational therapist and a behavioral therapist. I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. And I was again, like in a haze. And so I made the appointment. I didn't bring my husband. I, I really thought it was going to be a speech delay. And so I left Wyatt with my grandma and I took Atticus and we walked into this room and there were these, these therapists, there were four, uh, four women and they were really nice. And they just started asking me questions about Atticus and it became very clear that I was saying no to everything. And it was like, uh, I don't know. It was like the air was being removed from the room mm -hmm. for me, um, because I was watching him as they were playing with him and they're asking me questions and, um, I, you know, I finally, I, I sort of stopped her halfway through and I, I said, what's going on? What do you think is going on? Because I'm, I feel like there's something bigger than what I thought was going to happen here. 
And she said, yes, you know, I do think there are red flags for autism. And I remember writing in my notebook, red flags for autism. And I just was like, what, you know, what does that mean? And she said, well, I can't diagnose him. And I don't want, I can't, you know, and I know that she was sort of, she can't tell me what exactly is going on based on knowing my child for 30 minutes. But um, that began really the process of working with Atticus and really like opening up our whole life to therapists and strangers. And, um, and so we walked away from that and I called my husband and we cried. And um, it's interesting because I went through a lot of the things I think um, parents with kids that are, have delays go through where people tell you, Oh no, it's nothing. It's not that it's not that it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. He'll grow into it. I know a person who, you know, <laughs> their kid didn't talk till he was three, but he's fine now. And you know, no, that's not the case for us. And so, um, we, we just started the process of getting him help and it took us about five months to get into a neurologist, a pediatric neurologist, who finally we do have the evaluate the diagnosis and he was diagnosed with autism um, spectrum disorder. And so that's now our new normal. There's so many, that's like a whole, I mean, there's so much to talk about with that, but mm. um, so that's where, I mean, that's kind of where we are. I, um, yeah. How, how old yeah. was Atticus when you guys went to that evaluate that first okay. day? He was, he was 11 months old when we took him in and I'm sorry, not 11 months. Oh my gosh. 23 right. months. Sorry. He was only, sorry. He was yeah. almost two. He was just like a month, half a month before he was two years old. I took him in and that is perfectly like, that is a one a great time. I mean, 18 months is really the earliest that you can, that a lot of times you'll see services and therapies begin, but, um, but yeah, so he was about then and he had no words. Um, he wasn't saying mama or dad. In fact, he just started calling me mom about a month and a half ago. So it was yeah, pretty wonderful. Um, but, but um, yeah, so he was, yeah, it was right before two. Okay. And so, so we, we're technically caught it early is what they say. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we're not going into it. We're going into it as really as early as we can. Yeah. Be, so, yeah. So, so, you and your husband have this kind of initial reaction of, I'm sure, shock and, you know, there's a, there's a sense of, you know, grief that you're processing. I mean, you don't know yet what it all means, but there's just this, this like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, the, those have to be such big emotions. What did it look like emotionally for you between that time when you knew that, you know, there were these red flags and this is, you know, what the future might look like between then and when you received the actual diagnosis, what were, what was, you know, the emotional experience during that time for you? Um, you know, it, it was about, I think my husband, and I, when you, when you find out something about your child, that's like this, it's, you learn, it's very hard on a marriage and you learn a lot about your partner and you, um, so we definitely have one thing in common as far as those emotions and it's, we are sad and then we take action. And so, um, I think that I still am sad. Like I, I, to be honest, I still cry almost every day, just worried about him and his future. And it's hard to see, stay positive mm-hmm. all the time. Whereas my, my husband's very good at, he was, he was sad. And then we move forward and he's always good at bring you know, reminding me of all the good things and the positive things. And, um, but it's, 
the emotions are just all over the place because you see Atticus is growing up. You know, it's been about seven months since we started this. So he's, he's getting older, but some symptoms are coming as well. Like he's improving in some ways, but also we're seeing others, other things that could be symptomatic of autism spectrum disorder. So we're, you know, it's like, sometimes it feels like two steps forward, mm-hmm. one step back, yeah. you know, like he used to be a great sleeper. He sl- I, I sleep trained him super early. He was wonderful at sleeping. And then probably, I don't know, a couple months ago, all of a sudden he can't sleep through the night. He wakes up and just starts screaming and he like runs into the door and it's, it's like a huge situation. And that was never there before. And, you know, you look into it and sleep, sleep struggles are very common with autistic kids, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's doing one thing, but this other thing comes along yeah. too, you know? So all those emotions come like, wow, are, is it going to never get better? It, it, it's just always the thing with, it, with one of the, one of the hard things with autism is that there's no prognosis. They can't tell you anything about, will he be yeah. okay or not? You know, will he, will he talk? I don't know. Yeah. Will he go to college and or will he, you know, be married? And that's, that's the stuff that got me was I, I wanted him to become a man that, have this life without me. I really did. And so that's the thing that gets you because you don't know, you know, yeah, if, if that'll happen, Bram. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you mentioned before, it can be really difficult, especially in specifically, you know, talking about autism. I feel like autism has taken a really big appearance in media and stories and narrative in America for the, maybe the last, I don't know, five to 10. I mean, it feels like a while, definitely definitely in the last five years where there's stories and causes and cures and everybody thinks they are an expert in autism because they've seen a character on a TV show who had autism or they, you know, have read an article about it. And I feel like it has to be really difficult in that way. Like in some ways it's almost like, Oh yeah, that's, that's, but people can be normal or like, Oh, that's totally fine. Like if he just doesn't like eat gluten, he'll be fine. And I think I can only imagine that you've kind of had to live a little bit through that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. And one thing I wanted to be sure to say to like, is that the thing with autism is that it's so unique. The disorder is unique to each, each child. If you're a mother with an autistic child, you, you, we have overlap you know, we definitely have overlap, but there are things like that are unique to our kids. And, and then you get these, but people that don't know anything about it and they, they're well-meaning for sure, but they, they have this idea of what it looks like and it doesn't look like that for everyone. So for example, Atticus, he makes great eye contact. You know, he really looks at you and he'll give you a good smile. So I told one of my friends about him and I said, you know, he's, we just found out he's autistic. And so we're going through this. She's like, it's not really that severe, right? And that's just like, what right. do I say to that? <laughs> you know, that, that is right. not a, that's, that's not a great response, just so you know. You know, it's like, what do I, so then do I have to justify his diagnosis to her? Or, you know, it's like, well, she's like, yeah, but he's just so friendly. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't, you know, it's a lot of things added together that help diagnose this disorder. It's not just that he can't look at you or that he doesn't talk. It's, it's, you add a bunch of things together, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, of course I got someone in my book club that told me that, um, it's probably because I gave him, um, because I had him vaccinated. And then I had another woman tell me to, 
try this diet. Actually, it was a family member to try a diet. And it was just like, I don't think you know. I would really love for you to just ask me how I'm doing, you know, or ask me how you can support me or ask me like, how's he, how is Atticus? Is he, tell me something that's going on. It's like anything, but telling me to put him on a diet when you don't know anything about how he's doing. Like he has no problems with his digestion. So our doctor suggested he doesn't need that. He, he shows no signs of needing that for him specifically that if it works for others, that's wonderful, but he doesn't seem to need that. So I really didn't need yeah. that help. You know, if mm-hmm. I was like, Oh God, he's sick all the time. You know, maybe, Oh yeah. You know, I have a friend that's like, it would have been nice just to say, how do you feel? Yeah. How are you? You know? Yeah. I, and I think that that is common to, to every struggle and every experience of motherhood, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever it is that we're dealing with, whether it's something that you're facing that has massive implications for the future or something that's just like, you know, you're, that, that is a little bit more immediate and, and potentially acute, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times like, we just don't want the advice. We just want someone to say, how are you, you know? And like, what can I, what can I do to help? Like, you know, maybe, maybe that looks like (laughs) people, like you said, asking how Atticus is doing, like giving you a chance to talk about him and, and not just in a negative way, but also in a positive way and sharing the joys of your motherhood experience as well. And maybe it looks mm-hmm. like someone offering to, you know, to watch your kids so that you can do some self-care. I just, I just feel like there's so many ways that those, it's like people just yeah. have this, feel yeah. this personal mission to like, oh, I read this article and it, this will probably yeah. help, you know? Yeah. I had a, a family member send me a list of autistic men who are famous. Oh. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> just, yeah. It's hard, you know, and I know that he, they meant well, but yeah. And I, that is, I, I wanted to say that too. Like, you know, the struggles, I, the worries I have for Atticus, every mom worries about their son and will he be, I mean, just because he's autistic, it, you know, my, my other son, I will worry if he will be able to have this flourishing life. I mean, we all worry for sure about these things and that's not unique. Um, and that's why it's, it's, it should, it feels lonely to have a child with, um, these delays and this disorder because I, because it feels like we're the only ones, but we're not, we actually have very similar concerns and worries. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, maybe my kid, it's terrifying to me because he, he's not talking. Um, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but you're, you know, your child's not, potty training fast enough or you're worried that he hits too much mm-hmm. or he's biting it's there's like there's always, always something. something so it's yeah. yeah and so it's like this worry it's it's just hard because it feels lonely but if we can as mothers reach out to each other it's there's actually so much overlap yeah. you know what mm-hmm. I mean it really it's, is it's, it's not you I'm not I'm unique in that like it is it is incredibly it is the struggle. It is this big, huge struggle. It's so much, but you know, it doesn't feel like that much when I'm talking to, I have a couple of close girlfriends who tell me who we talk about everything. And when they're talking about their kids, I'm not sitting there thinking like, Oh man, well, she's got it easy. And do those, do those moms have kids with autism? No, I don't have one friend that has an autistic child. I'm a firm, firm believer that while there's so much value in finding support and community in people with, you know, shared experiences that that are specific to the struggles that you face at the same time that we can receive support and like really, really thoughtful, like Mm -hmm. present, 
meaningful care from people regardless of their experiences. You know, and in in my experiences of loss, I have absolutely benefited from connecting with other women who have experienced loss. But to be honest, like many, many of the people who have showed up for me in the most meaningful ways are not people that have experienced loss. They're just people that care about me and are willing to show up, you know? So I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I, I, I think you said something earlier about, you know, I like talking about Atticus, you know, I, I send, I send a couple of my friends, pictures of him in therapy and what he's doing and videos. And I like talking about it. I like, I like feeling like it's not this, like we don't say autism at a lower (laughs) level of volume. You know, it's like, I I don't, I like that. Now, not every person does. And so there's that sensitivity. um, But you know, it's, it's, I, I, I think it's, it's perfectly, it's wonderful to have those friends and then to just really be able to share the good and the bad, you know, and they don't have to have, because if you think about it, I'm probably not having the same experience as they are. I am not having them, you know, but we can Mm -hmm. definitely support each other. Yeah. And I think, you know, just as being a friend of yours walking through this with you, I think something really unique that has come out of it, you know, even just for me is understanding that, this is, you know, we've talked about this so many times. It's like, there are things that will happen with Atticus that are things that happen because he is autistic. And there are things that happen with Atticus because he's a three-year-old boy. And that's the hard, that's the hard part. And we talk so much about that in the sense of like trying to, it's like you almost give him the freedom to do both of those things. So it's like, he could be having sleep regression Mm -hmm. because of autism. He could be having sleep regression because he is, you know, and it's like terrible stage of being a toddler. And I think that that yes. can be so hard to really be open to that. And I feel like you have such an openness to that, that exact thing that you're saying. And it's just that empathy, the ability to empathize with people who might on paper look like they have it so much easier than you because they don't have this other thing they're managing with their kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would love to talk a little bit about um, you telling your family and what that was like and kind of how you approach that. Yeah. Well, it, we had the unique experience of going to this evaluation and I, and I went alone with Atticus and then I was, I, I kept, I probably told just a few people and I had to really like sit on it for a, about a week and everyone I told, I just couldn't even talk. I was crying so hard. And then I was able to reach out to my family and tell them, Um, but everything was like, there was still this hope that it wasn't autism because we had to wait so long, you know, to get into the neurologist, but I started services and therapies with him immediately. Like, like within a week I had him and, and we just started working with him. Um, and I think it was interesting because, um, telling people, I didn't tell a lot of acquaintances or friends about it until I got the diagnosis because, it felt uncomfortable to say, well, he might be autistic because they would always tell me he probably isn't, you know, it's like that girlfriend that says, Oh, he'll call. It's like, yeah, he's probably not going to (laughs) call. So I just, I just, I didn't want to like have to tell them like in my heart, I knew he was going to get the diagnosis based on like in the last seven months, I'd become like a student of my child. And I also have become a student of like, of, what neurotypical uh, yeah. behavior is. And so right, I'm sure you were studying and researching. Yeah. Everything. So he's not on track and I know that. And so when I went into the, the 
neurologist, by the time we went in there, it wasn't, it was hard, but it wasn't nearly as hard as it could have been if I didn't have all of this, these things before it. So I then told people now, like, like before I take him to a birthday party, I tell, I tell my friends, I told my friends, you know, I'm bringing out a kiss. I just want you to know that he has been diagnosed autistic. You know, these are a couple of things that might happen. And I just, I want to feel safe to just like leave if I need to, or, you know, and I, so I, now I just tell it openly because this is it, you know, yeah. I'm not going to be quiet. And, and, and honestly, like their kids can benefit from, from Atticus because first of all, he's awesome and he's the best, but he's also just like, they can learn how to deal, like be friends with someone who's not just like them, which is awesome yeah. too, you know? Totally. So now I tell people and, um, and I tell like, you know, now it's, it's very easy for me, but at first it was just hard because I just, I couldn't handle people telling me, I didn't even want to hear the positive. I just wanted to like deal with the reality, you know, because they didn't mm-hmm. know what was really going on. And so they were telling, they're trying to be nice, but it wasn't helping me. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but so I told yeah. immediate family and then I waited a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can imagine it, it is hard. And I think, you know, just because I see how active you are in basically finding whatever is available for your kid. Um, I think it would also just, it's hard to just explain to people what that's like as well. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and what that process is like or what your life looks like on a day-to-day basis to try to help Atticus. And, and I'd love to kind of mm-hmm. talk to you about like how you ac- you said you started accessing services right away. How did you figure that mm-hmm. out? How'd you find that out? Um, Ashley's like she said in the beginning, just remember she's a teacher. So I feel like that totally affects the way she like, like talks about this. So, because you are an educator, so yeah. you're basically trying to find an early education for your kid. Yeah, and well, so um, so the sort of the gold standard for um, autism treatment and therapy is called ABA therapy. It's Applied Behavioral Analysis Therapy, and it's done at home, um, and you get a certain amount of hours, which is given to you. You know, they evaluate him and they tell you how many hours he needs a week. Um, and so we had our, um, our evaluation and Atticus was given, um, eight hours a week at our house. And this was, this is, was paid for through the early start program, um, through our County. And it became clear that he needed a lot more hours than that, but that's all that they were willing to give us. And we were just, it's like, we were just figuring this out. Right. So we started with eight hours, which felt like a lot. It was two hours every morning, this stranger, we didn't know who now thank God has become like my family. I love her. She's great. But she, you know, they come into your house and they're just, they, they started working with him. And then, and also I started speech therapy. Um, and I found a speech therapist, uh, who, you know, who could work with him. And she told me how many hours she thought he needed. And so that's what we were doing at first was just the two things. And clearly he needed speech therapy. He didn't have any words, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and then, once ABA therapy, um, started to progress and he could start to suddenly he could manage like sitting at a table, um, which he couldn't do before. And he could, you know, play a game for like a minute, which was awesome. So now they were saying, well, now he needs occupational therapy, which is, um, it's like awesome. It's like a gym. (laughs) It's like like a padded room and it's so fun. And so I took him in for an evaluation for that. And, 
he's been going to, to occupational therapy for about three months now. So that's, I mean, so we go to all three of those. And so now Atticus is up to 12 hours a week of ABA therapy at our house. And we go to speech therapy twice, two, two hours a week and, and, um, occupational therapy three hours a week. So, so what does the ABA I found therapy them, actually look like? Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's like, at first it was, it's like life skills. A lot of it, sometimes it's life skills. So like they taught him to use a spoon. Um, but it's, so applied behavioral analysis. So it's a lot of, they make goals and then they take data on the, on the goals and how they're met. So his first goal was we, we tried to just get him to communicate. Okay. Cause he was so frustrated that he couldn't communicate that his behavior was through the roof in terms of like tantrum. Like yeah. I started a little notebook on Atticus. That dis- as soon as I walked out of the evaluation, I started a notebook and every day I wrote down and I look back every day was tantrum every, like almost, you know, it was just constant. And, um, so they taught him to say sign more and, and then they taught him to sign for eat. And then they taught him to, you know, play just even just appropriately play with his toys but they yeah. take data on it. So then, and like now they're teaching him to do the hand motions for songs. So it's, it's like a lot of stuff that happens at preschool, I think, but it's done at home and yeah. it's, um, and it's really applied to like where Atticus needs to like where his, you know, so his, for example, his gross motor skills, awesome. He can jump, he can run, he can, he's been doing that forever. So he didn't need that, but his, you know, his, um, but his behavior and his dealing with his, his outbursts and his anger and things like that out of frustration, that's what we focused on mm-hmm. more where some mm-hmm. kids need to learn to like, to do gross motor skills. Cause they don't have it, you know, like running, they can, that that's part of what can be ABA. But so for Atticus, it, I think it looks like a little bit of a preschool kind of, and I've purchased a bunch of different um, activities and they, they work on drawing, they work on, so much. <laughs> I have a bucket of things they work on. Um, yeah. And, and part, a lot of it is speech as well. They work on talking. So, um, there's definitely yeah. an overlap with, with the three fields for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, you had kind of mentioned hmm. this before, but being in a space where you, you know, post, maybe we say post diagnosis, looking back and realizing like, Oh, these are things that kids his age do that my kid doesn't do. And, you know, I, I remember mm-hmm. one of the things we talked about was like, at, you know, at, and you might know this, like this specific age, kids start picking up toys and playing with them or like having those toys interact with each other. And so like, what might not, what might be right. a milestone that blows past 99% of parents, that might be something mm-hmm. they're focusing on. In oh and for him to actually do that very much right. a huge, a huge, huge change in behavior, huge adaptation skill. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's called, we call it appropriate play and Atticus has not ever really had appropriate play. But in, so yeah, like for, for me and, and my husband, it's like, he started to like, we got him these cars and all of a sudden he was pushing the cars and you guys, it was like this huge deal for us. Yeah. I I mean, he pushed a car. It it was, yeah. So exactly. It's like some of the things that we appreciate, um, they're not, they're like, I would never have appreciated them before, but now I know what he, what he needed. And so. Uh, we can, we focus on it a lot though. Like we practice pushing a car, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and then finally he did it without us. And that was the big deal, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, you touched on this earlier, but I think that one of the, you know, one of the 
struggles to to an experience like yours is this sense of the loss of you know the potential independence of your child mm-hmm. and i think that without ever really articulating that we all sense that that is what we think motherhood should be like it's this you know it's this slow this slow like training and independence and then you know there comes a time around 18 give or take where you know that has that goal has theoretically been achieved and now this child is you know loosed upon the world and we've kind of done our job and even though we wouldn't say that we wouldn't say like that's what motherhood's about we kind of still have that feeling inside of us and so when you're when you are faced with this this variation of that where that independence you know, may not happen or may happen in a different timeline or may never happen. May, it may happen partially, but not fully. I think that that has to be so, so challenging to face. And then also, like you mentioned, just the piece of not knowing, you know, there are certain, there are certain developmental delays that a child may have or disabilities that a child may have where you, it's really clear what their future is going to be. And, mm-hmm. and with autism, there, there is a range of, you know, what that child's experience and capabilities right. will be. So can you talk a little bit more about what that's like, just to, just to kind of orient yourself to that and how you, like what tools or, um, you know, practices you use to kind of just help you accept that? Yeah. Well, to be honest, I don't know that I've totally, I don't know that I've gotten there, but um, I definitely have, um, I've tried to, like I said, I created this notebook on Atticus and every, every month I sit down and read where he was and I try to remind myself of the positive things that have happened. Mm -hmm. So that's one strategy I do. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I really just try not to think about what it might be like to, to have him need me forever. I, I, I hope that doesn't sound awful, but I, I want him. I, I really, um, I don't know. I just try to stay positive and that like, but we also, I think my husband and I have started to talk differently. Like maybe he'll be with us forever. I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of how we say it, you know? Yeah. Um, I wish I had a more eloquent response because it's, it's definitely overwhelming, you know? Yeah. No, it's um, understandable. It's, it's like, I, I, I truly like when you talked about like motherhood, getting, having your son or daughter grow up and leave, I look, I, I really wanted that. I want that for him and and for Wyatt. Like I, I want them to always, I wanted them to, to be a really beautiful, like have a beautiful childhood and be well-adjusted like we, like we all do. Yeah. But, um, and I, you know, Atticus has a beautiful childhood and he is well-adjusted. So he, (laughs) hopefully he will find that independence and that's the missing key, the missing ingredient, you know, that, at this, on this, the unknown, part. the unknown, yeah. exactly. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Like the, 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 the prognosis is the hard part, like where you just, you, there's no guarantee. And, and it's hard when you really start to talk to your therapists because there isn't any, no one can tell you. can't tell you. Yeah. No. And sometimes I'm having a really bad day and he's having a really, like, he's just not doing well. And I just want them to say, Ashley, just keep working. It's going to be okay. But they can't say that, you know? Yeah. Even though I work hard and Atticus works hard, they can't tell me for sure. So that's yeah, fine. but I think yeah. you do a really good job of finding goals that are realistic in some way. Mm-hmm. Like 
you know, talking about just wanting your, your boys to have a relationship with each other where they can play with each other. And I think, you know, everybody wants their, their kids to get along, but you have this unique aspect where you're like, at some point, will my youngest outgrow my oldest? Will he? Mm -hmm. And that, yeah. Okay. And they're so close in age. Sorry to interrupt you, but they are, they're so close in age that it will Mm -hmm. happen. It's likely to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, stuff, things that you learn are like, you know, from age 12 to 18 months, a child learns to say 50 words. This is approximation, right? Um, you know, why it's going to be a year old in May. So, well, he, in those six months, he'll have 50. Atticus has, we just did a, um, account or inventory I'm sorry and he has almost 50 so that that puts in perspective mm-hmm. right so yeah. and then what happens is from 18 to 24 months they learn like 200 words yeah so what's hopeful what we hope is that Atticus can get the 200 and not that I hope that they you know they don't catch it's just yeah it is going to be an interesting dynamic and I just hope that we can teach Wyatt to be just so kind to Atticus and also you know I think every child has something that they're dealing with. And I just, my, our goal with Atticus is to just, whoever he is, he's just confident and he, he, he loves himself and that the boys can encourage each other in their unique growth, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, but and it's it gonna, it's gonna look like it looks with all siblings where there's times where they just do that so beautifully and you could just <laughs> cry from feeling the pride and joy of it. And then there'll be times where you're like, this is a, a fucking mess, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to ask you. You know, this all kind of came to a head right after your second, after Wyatt was born, and I'm just curious how this affected, obviously your postpartum period, but really even just specifically like your how you feel you were able to bond with Wyatt and just even the time you have to spend with him and, you know, be yeah. having so much preoccupation with what's going on with Atticus and and not just not just like mentally and emotionally, but just logistically, like you're spending mm-hmm. so much time every week with, you know, helping him access all these different services. And, you know, you probably have to be very hands-on in your parenting of him. Like how has that affected your ability to, to transition to being a mom of two? Yeah, it's super hard. And it's definitely something that I think all moms of two probably worry about. Like, do I, am I taking care of both of them in a way that they feel my love, right? Yeah. And that they feel support. But definitely with Wyatt, um, I, I, it was, it was hard. It feels, I feel like I can't even really remember his first couple of months because we were going through everything with Atticus, but, um, he, you know, it's, I brought Wyatt to everything with Atticus, all of his therapies. And now Wyatt's getting older and he can't just sit in a, in a, uh, stroller. Right. So now he's not coming to therapy and, um, I am spending more time with, like, like you said, like just more physical hours with Atticus one-on-one. And so I have to really try to make the time for Wyatt when we're done with therapy, you know, or it's like, yeah. I have to really, um, because they don't, they can't, they don't play together. They can't play together right now. It doesn't work. And so on the weekends, usually we split them up and one of us takes one boy and I, I usually take Wyatt because I do spend a lot of time with Atticus and Mark will take, my husband will take Atticus and we'll kind of take just two hours where we do things independently with the kids so that they, we get that. So that's one strategy we've just recently, yeah, yeah, we've been trying, but um, you know, 
it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's, um, it's definitely stressful, um, because I do worry about it, but I, I think that, um, you know, if it's nice because why it's like at the age where he's eating off of his little high chair. And so I sit with it, you know, we just kind of make those special times. I'm sure that parents that work full time, you know, struggle with making time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, it's, I think it's a it's challenge kind of, everyone faces. I, I just, I do think that just with the, even yeah. the timing of how it's all happened for you, that it just must, it, you know, it oh, must be an sure. extra challenge for sure. It is. It is. It's like, I, I always worry, like I worry that, you know, my family members are, are praising Wyatt as much as we're so excited for any little thing we get out of Atticus <laughs> yeah. and all the growth he does. I'm like, guys, don't forget Wyatt's over here. He's, you know, he's 24 pounds and he's, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm constantly like, Hey, don't, this guy's so cute. Look at his little, you know, it's like, so, yeah. um, it is, that is definitely, it is constant. Um, and that's, that's what I try and do is separate them a little and, and all the little moments I get, like in the middle of the night with Wyatt, I try to just cherish those ones, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, not, not being in your shoes and, and not even remotely pretending to be in your shoes, but I think a little bit of encouragement to you is just that, like you kind of hinted at, that is the struggle of every mother is like, does the second child just you know, kind of fall, <laughs> fall by the wayside. Yeah. And I mean, and the well, truth is they all do to some extent. I mean, that's yeah. why they're, they're yeah. second child syndrome. Like, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's just kind of is how it is. I mean, I, I still think about the fact that like I, we joke in our house and it's not a joke that our, our, we, I have an eight, you know, an almost nine year old and a one year old and our one year old slept through the night before our eight year old, <laughs> like at, in a, in a, in the same timeline. And, you know, if my son wakes up in the night and calls out for me, I'm like instantly like in his bed, mm-hmm. like holding him like he's a little tiny baby and like, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, whereas like if my daughter at knee like wakes up and like, you know, winches a bit in the night, I'm like, oh, she'll go back to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's just. I think the opposite happened for me because I, now I'm, I'm still like, why it's just not sleeping through the night. And I'm thinking like, I am such a little sucker for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if it was Atticus, I would have never gotten up this much. But I'm like, oh, Wyatt, oh, are you okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we just, yeah, it looks so different. Yeah. Well, but, and you are, you are like making, you're extending yourself to him in a way that, in moments and in ways that you, you know, that you can't in other ways. And so that's really, that's beautiful to, to see, mm-hmm. you know, like that's your, that's your mother spirit and and that's that's how you're making that's how you're loving each child you know yeah that's true yeah definitely ash i wanted to ask you a little bit about what it's like to have a child who looks a certain age but maybe acts not in ways that people yeah in keeping with his size like how do you address people in the world who you have to interact with in that way well, sometimes I just yell at them, to be honest with you. <laughs> like in Target the other day, this woman was like, Atticus was freaking out because he was overstimulated. And this woman like kept giving us dirty looks. And finally, she's like, she shushed him. And it, it's, it was two o'clock in the afternoon at Target. I was just like, no. And I just, I, I lost it. I was, I yelled at her. This is not what I would say to do. And this is not what I would like to do. <laughs> My but I used to do that. I was like, he's autistic. Do you want to tell him to shush again? And she just looked at me horrified. And I thought, there you go. 
So no, I would not do that. But typically, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I have coping, me- we have our coping mechanisms. One of the things for Atticus is he just, he does, he, he really gets overstimulated in like stores and with just lots of stuff around. Mm-hmm. So we use the iPhone and he watches his little movie while I shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way in public, but people give you looks for that. Like, oh, he's on this, like the kid can't, and you just think, and I'm kind of, I am a people pleaser and I do worry about what people think and how people feel. And I'll tell you what, Atticus is teaching me to just get over that because you're just doing what works. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. I'm doing what's works. Like we need to go to the store. I need to get baby food. I need, you know, it's like, so what do we, you know, yeah. I, I could go after they go to bed, but I'm tired from my day. So we're going to go now after work and this is how we're going to make it work, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, that's been a big thing with like with people in public have an opinion, no matter what you do, it seems like. And uh, he does, he, first of all, he doesn't just look, he looks like he's, he's much older than he is. He's very, he's just a big kid. So I think in that way too, he, like, even if he was totally uh, typical and everything, he looks older than he is in that way. Yeah. And then you add that he's delayed. So he, he experiences these delays. So it's definitely um, a lot of, you know, just kind of bucking up on my part and just being like, this is just none of anybody's business, you know? Yeah. So if you're talking about strangers, that's how I try to deal with it. It's just, I like, sometimes I yell at them and sometimes I just look the other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then with people that we're going to do any activities with, I tell them, I for, I give them a little heads up. Like these are some things that I could struggles with. This is how we deal with them because I just want everyone to understand. And then yeah. I just want everyone to just like help us out, you know, because one of the things is yet, like I said, he gets overstimulated. So so one of our strategies is we take him outside and go for a little walk. It's like, I don't want to be weird. We're going to go for a walk. We'll be back in a minute, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a lot of, I just try to be open and again, not everyone's like that and that's their way of being. And so we have to be sensitive to that. But for me, that's what I do. Well, there's no reason that anyone, I mean, everyone only benefits from you like advocating for your son in that way. Like your son benefits, yeah, you benefit, right? the community benefits, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's, there's no downside, even though it may be painful in the moment because someone reacts inappropriately or like takes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that, but that's their issue, yeah. not yours. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But in the past I probably would have made it my issue. So it's good for me to learn yeah. not to. I've got my own. Yeah. <laughs> so And you kind of alluded to this earlier, but I wanted to ask you too, um, that how this has affected you and Mark and your relationship and how you parent together. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, it's, it's interesting having this conversation with you, with you guys, like this kind of early in our, you know, process, because, um, I wonder what it would sound like as you learn to parent together as the child grows up. And that's probably the same for a one-year-old, two-year-old with that's totally on track, but it has been definitely a challenge for us. Um, just because, um, I am the primary person taking Atticus to everything. Okay. So I definitely understand a bit more and that doesn't mean, I mean, that's not because that's just the fact. Like I go with him, I talk to the therapist. So I understand things on a different level than, than my husband. Uh, And so one of the benefits is that he's very good at deferring to me and letting me kind of um, like he, he doesn't challenge me on things that they've 
Um, they tell me that we should work on at home or he, he's not at all oblivious to what we need to be doing as parents. I think it's more of we've had, we, we, we've just developed like our coping mechanisms in different ways. For example, it'd be nice to have a Saturday where you just hang out and watch TV and just like relax. Well, that's not a reality for us. We don't get, we don't have that because we need to be doing something with Atticus or having organization. He needs organization. Yeah. So that took us a long time because my husband would love to have the morning off and I would resent him because he'd have the morning, you know, I would, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. And I'd kind of take over and then I would resent him because I was doing it all. That's how I felt, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so we've had to really like, it's been a lot of figuring out how to communicate and mostly on my part, what do I need? I need to tell you what I need. I need to ask for help. Um, and that's all, that all goes down to that. That goes back to struggling with postpartum and just like being, being real about what I'm actually feeling and needing. Um, and so that is like, I wish we had it. I feel like, you know, it's Monday. We had a great weekend and that's probably one of the first weekends we've had a great weekend in a while, to be honest, you know, it's, um, it's just one of the things Atticus does is he does, he does self-harm when he gets really frustrated. He can like throw himself on the ground. And so, um, it's, that's stressful because yeah. <laughs> you kind of can't say no to him without being prepared to catch him. And so one of us may say no. And the other one's like, Oh, why did you have to say no? Or can't, why weren't you ready to catch him when you said no, which is sort of a ridiculous yeah. comment, you know, <laughs> but you feel, but you feel it when you're, when you're in it, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know if that's a good, if that's everything you're looking for, but um, it's definitely learning to communicate and fit. And I, I know that a lot of marriages don't survive this type of thing. And I think it's because you don't know how, how some, how your partner's going to react in a hard time. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's no way to know. And so you have to, um, you have to, f- have to push through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really, I mean, it, it's like, there's not a lot of time for us to do things alone. We're super tired at the end of the day. Yeah. But, but we do love each other. So we have to keep going on. That. Yeah, it does. We, it does take coming back to that a lot of times, like just remembering mm-hmm that we love each other, that we love our children, you know, and I think that the challenges you're describing are, are absolutely heightened in your situation, but they're the same challenges that we all face. And I think that, you know, we've even recently had guests on the show where we talk about just this dynamic that happens in so many relationships where one person does provide more care for the kids and that inevitably just creates this really big gap between how mm-hmm. much, responsibility and action, you know, the, the partner who has less time with the children naturally takes. And so then you end up in this dynamic where you know more about the stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then you, then you get bossy about the stuff. And so he's like, well, I don't even know how to do the stuff and I'm not going to learn to do the stuff. But at this, but you know, at the same time, you're like, I really need you <laughs> to help me with this. Right. stuff. And that then is- even just that language is a problem. Like need, like husbands mm-hmm. don't help us. Like, it's just like that whole, like, you know, I, I'm not right. a babysitter. I'm oh a dad, gosh. right? Like we don't ask our husbands exactly. for help. They, we ask a friend for help, you know, <laughs> but our, right. our husbands don't like help but, us, but it's just like, it's just a, it's a really, um, I don't say that in, in a, like 
judgmental way whatsoever. It's just the, it's just the way it naturally unfolds when we end up in these different roles where one person Mm -hmm. is interacting, you know, all day with these young children. And it's just such a, it's such a tricky balance to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And it is a mat, like it is, um, it is a balance because I don't, it's exactly right. I don't like ask having to ask him for help, but the truth is that I, he needs to, he needs to help me implement what I have seen in therapy. That's kind of how I have to tell. It's like, and so the only way that he's going to do that is if I have, I have to communicate it. I can't just like, I, I, when we started all of this, I would just, I would kill myself on Saturday morning to try and you know have all the structure for Atticus and, I would just, I was so frustrated that it wasn't happening as a family, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it wasn't until I said, listen, we've got, it's got, we've got to change a lot of these things and I need help doing this, that it, it did work. Yeah. You know, it does work. It helps. Yeah. But and there is that gap and there's inevitably that gap for us at least. Um, but I've, and I've sort of taken it on as this is part of my, my role in the family is to take care of this part and really, um, and I understand it on a different level than Mark. And I, I, so that's sort of how we've made it yeah. work too, mm-hmm. is finding our roles. Yeah. Yeah. And like things like you, like Atticus crying in the middle of the night used to just totally, when we, before, when he was, you know, in the first year of life, we would just lose it. We couldn't handle it. And that's probably so common for the first year with mm-hmm. a baby for yeah. couples, you know, and so you've just had to, you just kind of translate that to bigger issues. And we've just tried to now when he cries, we don't even get in a fight anymore. We're so proud of ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Really. There really is a balance between like, you know, deferring to each other's strengths and, and the time that you have. And like you said, at this point, like you have this massive breadth of knowledge about, you know, your son and what he needs and, and what, what, you know, a day that is, going to work well for him looks like and yet on the other side of that is like the the fact that your husband needs to be able to like learn to trust himself that he can make that happen too you know it's just mm-hmm. a yeah. yeah yeah it's true yeah and we're I you know one of, one of the things with finding strengths is, is it's interesting because I am not I'm actually not very good at like playing mm. I found out playing with these toys or playing. And so my, and Mark is really good at that. Like he's good at building little trains and then they play together. So I kind of do the academic stuff where I'm trying to get him to say words and all these things. And Mark can play the creative part, which actually isn't really, not really that interested in. So it's been like, we've been lucky in that way, you know, that we have those, we're very, we're very, very different. And it's in in some ways it's working out for us in that way, you know, in that aspect. That's great. Yeah. And I just want to say too, you know, like you said that you guys are in this early piece of the story for you as a mom with Atticus Mm -hmm. and with Wyatt and for Mark as a dad and for you guys together. And I just appreciate you so much sharing kind of the struggles of that early piece. And I would love it if you had Mm -hmm. like some advice that you might give if there is a mom listening who has gotten this diagnosis or is in that waiting period or has suspicions, like what would you say to her? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the reasons why I w- wanted to share my story is because I do think 
I would have loved to hear a mom talk about what they're going through and be being honest that it's, it's early. I'm not an expert. I probably didn't explain things super well, but my advice would be to, um, I don't know, to, I think for me, it's helped to really take, take it all on and really see for me, I feel like the most like Atticus and Wyatt's mom now that I'm working on, I have a tangible way of helping him. And it's the advice is for me, that's what helped is just like grasp, like being sad and then grasping onto what we can do and what we can control and focusing on that stuff. And it does not work every day. Some days I cry about the littlest things that he does that are out of my control and I really shouldn't worry about, but I, but I think ultimately like the best advice is to, to really focus on the littlest, even the littlest successes, you know, they are so important. Um, and that's, what's kind of unique to moms, um, who are going through this. And you, we talked about this earlier is it's the littlest, you know, they're, they're, the milestones are so cool for us in a different way, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's still so many things that Atticus does where, you know, he, I, I can't even put into words how excited I am. And so I try to hold on to those and that's one way to get through it. The other way is I think it's, it's, it's important to, to embrace the situation and not, um, not turn your head away. You know, there's nothing that we can do to help our ch- children more than to just be real about what's going on you know, and not try to make it look prettier than it is, you know? Um, and I think also just having good women to talk to. I love my husband, yeah. but <laughs> I also, <laughs> I need my girlfriends more than anything and to help me get through this and just to, um, be really real. Even if you just have one person try and, and people respond so wonderfully if they're the right people, yeah. you know? Um, and so having that support, But I think, you know, my biggest challenge and also success right now is just really trying to embrace every day as if the most amazing things could happen. And if we just kind of approach it with happiness and joy and effort, then, you know, there's something happy at the end of the day, usually, you know, it sounds a little cheesy, but it's really, it's, yeah. I think that's what's going on. You know, like today Atticus hit the ball with a bat, a wiffle ball with a bat. I mean, I cried in therapy when he did it. It's just so cool, you know? And he also woke up this morning and didn't want to wear clothing. And he had to go in the car with just a diaper because I couldn't get him dressed. And these things happen, you know? I worry about, well, he be, now does he have this intolerance to clothes or like Lara said earlier, or is he just like almost three and just, doesn't want to put clothes on. I don't know, you know. And on some but, of it, you'll never know. And that's like part of yeah. the journey as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that's such a rich thing to add to your kid's life, though, because I feel like so many days are evaluated on their success or failure by, like, a, you know, by behavior. And in some ways, because you have this altered state, like you said, approaching with happiness in the sense of like something great is going to happen today. And I just want my kid to be happy. It's just not something that a lot of people focus on when their kids three years old. And I I think that that's really honestly, it's beautiful advice for everybody. Thank you. You know what? One other piece of advice I wanted to make sure and say that's not nearly as um, 
meaningful, but it is good advice. <laughs> is start if if you are a mom who's found out that that your child may or may not be autistic, or is start writing things down. I have a notebook for Atticus, and I write down every day something that happens. I keep track of every phone call I make to insurance. I keep track of like every bill I pay because it takes away that part of it. And then also I can look back and see the successes too, you know, but on just like a really boring level, it's really important to keep track of everyone you talk to because you have to advocate for your kid and you're the only one that really cares as much as you do, you know? So that's something that everybody needs to be aware of, I think, because there's a whole other element of like dealing with how to get services and insurance and that stuff. So, yeah. But anyway, but yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you, Ashley. Just like you've been so, you've just been so real with us. And I, you know, I've known a little bit about your story, but just hearing, hearing, you know, what it's been like for you, both in the challenges and just also the way, like you've just talked about how you're able to, to just, you know, see the joy in, in your experience of motherhood is, is really beautiful. So thank you for sharing with us. And we're, we're excited to share this with our listeners. Cause I think that even regardless of whether someone is, you know, facing an autism diagnosis or some kind of developmental delay, like there's still what everything that you're experiencing is, is so translatable to any experience of motherhood, you know? just the presence and the, and the awareness mm-hmm. of like being there for your kids in the ways that they need you. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for having me. It means a lot to share about Atticus and Wyatt and what we're all going through. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Ash. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Lara and Lisa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.